And then in a flash of light, in a flash of light, one flash of light, Saul is both physically and spiritually thrown to the ground. In one flash of light, he is completely arrested. Consider the sovereignty of our Savior Jesus here. Again, this passage is about Christ. I mean, just from this encounter with Saul and all the momentum seemingly going again in the, in the, in the way of Saul and the, the persecution of the church, consider the power of Christ. Good day, listeners, and welcome to Live in the Light. Thank you so much for making Live in the Light a part of your day. And today we dive back into Acts, and today's episode reintroduces us to the infamous Saul. Saul, the man who was breathing murderous threats against the church. Saul, the one who condoned the execution of Stephen. And Saul, the one who was about to have his life turned upside down. Pastor Robbie is our teacher for this program, and he's in our studio with me now. And Robbie, we're talking about a supernatural conversion today. Supernatural is right, Craig. Man, our God is of and is supernatural. And, and we just think of the times that we live and stories like this, where you have a man, as you just said so well, Craig, you have a man coming in with a mission to destroy the church. And then one moment later, he becomes God's greatest instrument for the furthering of the church in the kingdom of God. Who can do that? How is that possible? Only by the gospel and Jesus Christ and our awesome God, who is truly, again, the God of the supernatural. And Craig, you agree. Like in the days we live in, this is what is needed. It's why we pray. We can't do this, but our Lord can and is. So we pray as you listen to this message of this extraordinary life that was changed and becomes the most powerful and influential missionary and probably me person in the church ever, right? The Apostle Paul. Um, may you be encouraged and motivated and inspired and filled with faith that God is still working like this in our day. Craig, he changed you, he changed me, and he's changing lives. We pray today. Then we pray that there's, there's a, a quote, the Apostle Paul's listening even right now to be supernaturally transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, never to be the same again, raised up for the kingdom. Man, I'm excited just to think about it. And Lord, we do pray you would do it. So bless, bless your listeners now today in Jesus' name. Awesome. It is the Church Supernatural. So without any further delay, let's dive right in and join again with Pastor Robbie in Acts chapter 9 with today's message. All right, here we are in the Church Supernatural and in our series in Acts. And so far in this kind of subset series, we've seen Supernatural Revival, we've seen Supernatural Guidance, and today we see Supernatural Conversion. Supernatural conversion. Um, in fact, um, we see one of the most famous conversions ever um, to Jesus Christ. It, of course, is the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Uh, today in Acts chapter 9, you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there, Acts chapter 9, we see an extraordinary account of the life-changing power um, of Jesus Christ. 
and only Jesus Christ can do this. So if you're uh, here today and your faith needs a boost, you're in the right place. If you need to be reminded again today just how powerful, awesome, and glorious and unstoppable your God is, you are in the right place. If you need to be saved by Jesus Christ and set free from sin and sin and darkness, then you are in the right place. So we will get started. Um, Acts chapter nine, again, time says we must uh, move here, which is good. So Acts chapter nine, I'll read the first section and we will uh, jump in again as we always do. Acts nine, verse one, here is the word of God. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, I went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue um, at Damascus. Why? So that if he found any belonging to the way, to the way, Christians, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Uh, now, as he went, this is awesome. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly, picture, picture, uh, suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Just imagine, imagine his heart. Imagine his trembling. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Now the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, I bet, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. A Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to, into Damascus. And for three days, he was without sight and neither ate um, nor drank. So truly today we see supernatural conversion. Church, I wanna remind you, the passage we just read right there is perhaps um, the greatest event in church history um, apart from Pentecost. I'll say it again. What we're gonna read today is possibly the greatest event in the history of the church um, apart from Pentecost itself, okay? You have a man named Saul who's about to be converted to Jesus Christ who will become, again, his name will be Paul, of course, later on. He will become the greatest missionary the church has ever seen. He will become the author of half of the New Testament. Virtually, he will become one of the greatest theologians who has ever lived. He will become an incredibly powerful, life-changing leader over many, many generations. And he becomes a supernatural, by God's grace, example uh, to us and all the generations that have gone before us for those who have followed the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's no exaggeration to say what we have just read is again, one of the greatest turning points in the history of the Christian church, which Jesus Christ did through one particular man at a very particular time. So we're gonna to walk through this supernatural conversion. And I pray we will be supernaturally encouraged. Yes, Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, fill us, teach us. Again, use us now. Um, um, and, uh, renew our minds, God, and help us to be so filled with faith as we uh, read and see and understand the God that we serve. So here's what we learn about the supernatural conversion. It started in a tough place. Um, point number one, let's say this. Um, it started with a heart full of hate. And one of the greatest conversions ever known in the history of the world started with a heart full of hate. Now, please know that Saul was one of the most, look up here, look up here, one of the most religious men in Israel. Like, there, there are few who, again, exceeded the religious nature um, of Saul. He was so religious, yet he was totally blind to true light and true love and true glory filled with religion, empty of true wisdom and light and love. If you look at verses one and two, 
it confirms here that Saul's full-time vocation, like his full-time job was to see the destruction and the persecution of the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, We learned in Acts chapter eight, he ravaged the church, like a wild animal tearing flesh apart, that word means. He ravaged the church in Jerusalem, but he wasn't satisfied there. He wasn't satisfied with seeing men murdered, executed, people thrown in prison. Now he wants to even go to foreign cities. He wants to ravage the church in Damascus. Again, about a 250 kilometer journey from Jerusalem. Notice it says, and again, uh, verse one, it says, uh, the rage and hate, it says he was breathing threats and murder. Uh, The word breathing there um, is not breathing out so much. The word there in the original means he was breathing in. Like, so I mean, it's his way of life. Um, It's who he was, breathing in threats and murder towards the church. He sought permission, the text says there. He sought permission from the high priest, the highest possible religious order of the day because when he had that, nothing then would stop him. He's set on obliterating the way. And notice he's even willing to drag people, the text says, to drag people again, all the way from Damascus to Jerusalem, again, a 250 kilometer six day journey. So tell me, how motivated do you have to be to do all that? I mean, how much anger do you have to have towards a certain group of people? How much hate is within you to have the incentive to go to that much effort with your entire life to try to extinguish and to destroy a group of people confessing the love of Jesus Christ and seeking to proclaim the gospel the way that they know and believe is the way to heaven. But this is what happens when you don't see This is what happens when you are blind. This is what happens when you are filled with religion only and have no relationship with Christ. Consider the vehemence, consider the violence of Paul. Consider again right here, the hate. Now remember too, Saul, Saul here was one of those promising young men in Judaism. I mean, he was at the the top of the top. And as he journeyed here, he was convinced that he was doing right. He was convinced he was even serving and pleasing God. So a couple of observations here as we look at verses one and two specifically. Notice this, Saul was so set on his way. And I wonder who's here that resonates with this part. Saul was so set on his way, which ended up being legalism and self-righteousness. He was so set on his way, he missed entirely the way. He was so set on his way that he missed entirely the way. So many, see, he hated Jesus Christ, but he, he never, never, never really sought to see who Christ was. So many reject Jesus in our day without ever knowing Jesus, without even trying to know Jesus. So many reject Jesus without taking the time to understand and to learn and to see who this Jesus really is. I wonder, observation here too, I wonder that Saul must have wondered as he was setting his full-time job and trying to see the church destroyed. You have to think he was wondering, why won't these Christians go away? Like, what's up with these people? He must have wondered like, okay, like they're suffering and they're dying. Why won't they give up? Like for all his zeal and all his violence, like he must've been like, we're killing them and they still press on. What What is wrong with these people? I bet you, what is it that keeps them going? Bet you he wandered it down, like on it, he's watching them suffer and die, and like they, they continue to he's like, he's like, where do they get their strength from? How is it 
that they continue on in this way, well, he is about to find out up close and personal where they get their strength from. It takes us to point number two. He was then confronted with a light full of love. So he had a heart full of hate, but he was then confronted with a light full of love. Again, look at verse three. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, um, the word Saul said twice, emphasis. So it's like rebuke, uh, uh, get your attention, the importance. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Notice Jesus says, me. And he said, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city. You'll be told what you are to do. Now, the first truth I want us to see under this point is this. Okay, wait, ready, ready. Notice how quickly Jesus Christ can humble a man when he wants to. Notice how quickly the sovereignty and the glory of Jesus Christ can absolutely change a life in a split second. Loved ones, as much as this is about Saul today, ultimately this passage is about our Savior, Jesus Christ and his glory and his power. Jesus Christ will change whoever and however and whenever he wants to. He will do exactly as he pleases. No one will ever be able to stop him. Take that away from this text and be very, very encouraged as you live for Christ in this day. I mean, honestly, consider Saul coming into Damascus filled with incredible pride, incredible arrogance, incredible self-righteousness, absolute self-sovereignty and all that he's trying to do. And then in a flash of light, in a flash of light, one flash of light, Saul is both physically and spiritually thrown to the ground. In one flash of light, he is completely arrested. Consider the sovereignty of our Savior Jesus here. Again, this passage is about Christ. I mean, just from this encounter with Saul and all the momentum seemingly going again in the, in the, in the way of Saul and the, and the persecution of the church, consider the power of Christ. Consider the majesty, the omnipotence, the omniscience of Christ. Consider the omnipresence of Christ. Consider the glory of Christ. All that right here, really in this one verse, verse three, and leading on from there. I mean, for real, Saul thinks he's in charge of everything. And in a moment, he's brought to nothing. He's decimated in his pride. In a moment, brought to nothing, stopped dead in his tracks. Listen, never to be the same again. So if you're like me this week and you sit on this text, you want to take a moment right now and stop long enough, look around and you want to take a moment to worship, to worship your Lord and Savior, Jesus, just to see loved ones who, who is ultimately in control. I mean, take a moment to see his glory and his power. Take a moment to understand that our Savior, Jesus Christ, with all the people that try to come against him, all the seasons, all the centuries, all the opposition, all the persecution, that our Savior, Jesus Christ, never, ever worries. Many of us worry all the time. Keep looking to Jesus. He never worries. He never worries. He doesn't have to sleep. He's perfect in strength, inexhaustible in power. Many of us have anxiety right now, anxiety of all sorts of situations. Your Savior never, ever has a moment where he is anxious. He has no nervous habits. Many of us bite our nails. We pace around. We tap our feet too much. We bounce our knee. We fiddle with our fingers because we're anxious what's happening. Jesus never does any of that ever. 
because he's absolutely in control. He's unstoppable. He has no weakness. You and I are so weak. We're so frail. Health up, health down, feeling strong one day, feeling so weak the next, unable to do this, unable to do that. Our Savior has no weaknesses. There's no one who can stand against him. He holds all power. He holds all glory. So take a moment to understand this. What we're seeing here in Acts chapter nine is you can be brought to nothing now before the glory and grace of Jesus Christ, or you can resist him. You can become proud. You can choose to reject him, but please be sure of this and make no mistake about it. All will eventually be brought to nothing before the Lord Jesus Christ. Is either now or when he returns. When he returns, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is, is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So again, every knee, every single tongue will confess. It's either now or later. I suggest do it now. You do it now, you start to live. We become broken, we humble ourselves. Saul here under the sovereignty of God becomes nothing and then he's introduced to life that is everything all under the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, some of you right now, again, you're tempted like me. You look across our society, you look at our day, look at our culture, fear, worry, uncertainty. Let this encourage you. Jesus Christ can't be stopped. You can take the most evil, pernicious person ever in our day opposing Jesus Christ and in a flash of a moment, Christ can turn that heart from number one enemy, enemy to number one, again, ambassador for Jesus Christ. Like just all I'm doing is showing you the truth. Look at what Jesus can do. Saul in all his pride, Jesus like light from heaven. He's like nothing. He's a puddle of mush on the ground. Never to be the same again. Hey, listen, if you belong to Jesus, that's your savior. Uh, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of faith, man, a little bit of hope, a little bit of like joy in the reality that this is the one that we belong to. This is the one who can't be stopped. Oh Lord, would you encourage your church with you? God, would you build the faith of your church with you? God, would you cause us to look around and rather than having fear, have the faith and to know that you never ever worry. And the closer we are to Jesus Christ, there's no reason for us to worry ultimately as well. Worship him also for this. This is so good, okay? Notice as Saul was trying to literally destroy Jesus was the exact time that Jesus overwhelmingly loved Saul. Okay, so Saul hates Christ and all his followers. And while Saul is seeking to destroy Christ and his followers is the exact time that Jesus overwhelmingly loves Saul with his grace. Saul hates Jesus. Jesus responds with life-changing love upon Saul. What is that? The gospel. While we were still sinners, Romans 5, Christ died for us. While we were at enmity with God, Romans 5, Jesus Christ overwhelmingly loves us and saves us and dies for us, that all our sins will be paid for. Again, as we are enemies and hate God in our sin, Jesus Christ overwhelmingly loves us with grace and mercy and inexhaustible love upon our lives for all those who believe in him and received his gift upon their lives. Isn't God's love amazing? Right here in this point and in this way, I mean, just, just look at it, see it, um, embrace it, love it. Who's that for right now? I love that Saul gets knocked over by light. I love that's the light of the knowledge of the glory of Jesus Christ. Hey, for everyone who's saved right now, you're generally saved in Jesus Christ. Can you remember the time, the season of your life where the light of Jesus Christ overwhelmed you and brought you to salvation? 
Can you remember that season? For me, it was March 9th, 1997. I mean, I love the metaphor, the light of Christ and the power, because I was literally saved to a song that's called In the Light. And I remember just confessing and singing as loud as I could over and over and over again that time in my life. I wanna be in the light. I wanna be in the light as you are in the light. I wanna shine like the stars in the heaven. I wanna be in the light. I wanna be in the light. Can you remember when the light of the Lord Jesus Christ came into your darkness that you would never be the same again. Isn't it interesting in Acts 26, that part of Paul's testimony, because his conversion is stated in Acts 9, Acts 22, and Acts 26, which says something too. Isn't it interesting in Acts chapter 26, Paul testifies the part of what Christ said to him, I'm gonna use you to bring people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Isn't that awesome? He himself right here living this out. This is what's happening. Listen, 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 ready, ready? So important in our day. The devil comes to us in the darkness. Jesus comes to us with his light. So where's the darkness creeping in, man? And you got to run to the light. Young people, old people, everyone in between. Watch for the darkness. Satan comes in the darkness. The confusion, the fear, the despair, the discouragement, the evil, the sin. Jesus comes to us in his light. Lord, shine your light. Shine your light upon this community and nation. Amen. Shine your light. Lord Jesus Christ, shine your light. I think some of you right now, you might even be here taking nothing for granted. Some here right now filled with anger. Some here right now, maybe even filled with a sense of hate. But I pray Jesus Christ in his love confronts you right now with light and he confronts you with love, just like like Saul in this text. Some even here right now listening, present with us right now, some even hold great disdain for the church. But notice in verses four and five, Notice Jesus makes it so clear that persecution against the church is persecution against Jesus himself. Isn't that interesting, eh? Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's personal to Jesus. To hate the church of Christ is to hate Christ himself. You can't separate the church from Christ. You can't separate the head of the church from the body, again, of the church. Notice here too with Saul, again, soon to be Paul, notice when Saul could physically see is when he was spiritually blind. But the moment he becomes physically blind is the moment he gains spiritual sight. I mean, you think Paul knew what he's talking about in 2 Corinthians 3.18 when he says, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord or be transformed with one degree of glory to another, beholding the glory. In this moment, in Acts 9, Saul is arrested, brought to nothing, blinded by the glory of the light of Jesus Christ. When you see the light of Christ, you'll never be the same again. When you stare into the light of the glory and the power of Jesus Christ, your life will never be the same again. I wonder, even right now, listen, it's the brokenness that leads to the beauty. It's the personal devastation that leads to delight in Christ. It's when we become nothing, we start to see life as everything in Jesus. It's when we are humbled, then we start to see the exaltation of Jesus Christ. It's when we realize in our sinful state and in the brokenness of our reality as when you actually begin to see again the purpose and meaning who here today needs to be broken. Broken in yourself, admitting you can't do it. Brokenness and sin, blinded by the light to actually see then the glory of Jesus Christ and actually start to live. Who here needs today needs to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Who here today needs to 
confess your sin, turn from sin and run to Jesus Christ as savior. I implore you to do so as the Lord is working in your heart and filling you with faith, maybe for the first time ever. And there are a few conversion stories, again, so powerful is what we're reading right now. And you know, you think of Saul's life, it is a, is a wonderful example and proof of what has famously been called the hound of heaven. You know that poem, the hound of heaven? The hound of heaven is the famous poem by Francis Thompson, who brilliantly described the, the chasing grace of God. Now think of God's grace chasing down Saul to save him and overcome him. There's a quote by J.F. O'Connor about the, the hound of heaven so long. I couldn't read it for you right now. But this is a quote about the hound of heaven, which I found to be so beautifully summarizing why this has been so famous. He says this, he says, as the hound follows the hare, I want to read it slowly because I want us to take it in. Never ceasing in its running, ever drawing near in the chase, with unhurrying and imperturbed pace, so does God follow the fleeing soul by his divine grace. Although, and though in sin or in human love, away from God, it seeks to hide itself, trying to run away from God. Divine grace follows after, unwearingly follows ever after, till the soul feels its pressure, forcing it to turn to him alone. And in that never ending pursuit. Certainly this was Paul. The grace of God would not give up. Chasing down the individual it seeks to absolutely transform by light and love. Maybe you right now, like Saul, you've been running from God's grace. Man, I, I'd be so awesome right now. The Lord working supernaturally upon lives right here, listening to this. You, like, you, you just, you're sitting here right now and you're hearing these last few sentences. And like I say, maybe running from God's grace and you're like, that is, I cannot believe that's being said right now. That is so me. That's exactly what I've been doing. Running from God's love, yet his, gra yet his grace pursues you yet again. That his grace pursues you still. Maybe in wonder right now you're sitting here and you're like, how did I get here? Why am I here right now? How is this happening to me again? You're not even sure exactly how you got here right now. And yet another proof of the hound of heaven pursuing you, chasing, chasing grace upon your life. You've tried to run from his grace and his love. You tried to get away, but he won't give up. The grace of God keeps coming. Forgiveness keeps being offered. Love keeps being poured out. The incredible power and glory of God's redeeming grace. This is Saul's story. This could be your story today too. It's certainly my story. The chasing grace of God, hunting you down. You're dead. In a good way, in a good way, in a good way. It's over. He's gonna win. Turn, confess, repent, be saved, be changed, be transformed, believe, start to live life as it was meant to be lived for the glory of Jesus Christ. If you notice verse nine, look at verse nine now. It says, and for three days, Saul was without sight. So he was taken from those who were traveling with him. He couldn't see. 
three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now, what's what's up with that? He was he was so the intensity of what happened to him, the impact of this conversion, the momentum, the magnitude of encountering Jesus Christ in this way. Three days without sight, three days without food, three days without water. You know what happened here too, we believe? It's these three days, Saul would find out what he really believes. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. Live in the Light exists to see radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light. Oh, yeah. I